This is Sunday Recap. Sunday Recap. A weekly sermon podcast. With Dave, with Dave, Jim, Chris, and Joey. Good show. Hey, who? Pew, pew, pew. Lasers. Yeah. So I, I vote we clap and start the real part. Yeah. Clap. Let's see if we can synchronize our claps. Ready, guys? One, two, three. <laughs> Dave didn't even try. Okay, cool. <laughs> he's buffering. No, he's not. <laughs> what? Did you see right. the clap? We're... Yeah, it was awesome. It was a silent clap. Golf clap. Oh, man. This active speaker thing is so garbage. I have the video feed set up that when someone talks, it's supposed to put them live, but basically it's doing it once somebody's done talking and then just leaving them on. <laughs> I don't know. Well, now we're into audio portion, so the video oh, yeah. is video's is gone. Cherry it's all gone. Video's yeah. gone. Video doesn't exist. We're not watching I mean, the chat anymore, you guys. We're not watching it. You can chat. Have fun. We'll leave it on the screen, <laughs> but we're not allowed to watch it anymore. Yeah. Chris doesn't you let watch us. It. Uh, it's gone. It's true. It's gone. Okay, I'm not looking anymore. Right, now we're focusing on. <laughs> Dave is looking. Oh, um, I forgot you could see me. It's okay. okay. You're so cute, Dave. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're focusing on the audio portion of the podcast. The goal of the podcast is to talk about the sermon, to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, we try and make up questions whenever um, you don't give them, but we do have some today, so thank you. Um, should we start with questions and then go through the points of the sermon, or vice versa, or try and cover them when they come up? But that takes me actively remembering the topic of each question, and that's a little harder. Mm, it's tricky. How about I, I vote we, we touch on the broad topic then questions, and then go through the points. How about that? Okay, I'm writing it down. Broad like title. topics. Broad like topics. Like the title and the and the passage. Points. And I mean, that's basically what we do, right? And then questions. Okay. We're crowdsourcing the, well, I guess not crowdsourcing, but crowdsourcing the format today. I just feel woefully unprepared. And I know I, I say that a lot, but yesterday was really hard for me. It was pretty hard draining. I felt bad. I came back to my family and just kind of existed there. Uh, mm. I mean, I I interacted some, but probably not as much as I would have on a normal Easter or should have. But maybe that's just how you all feel all the time every Easter. So <laughs> every yeah, every Sunday, much. basically. But <laughs> I feel that on a lot of Sundays too. Yeah, that's true. Mm. It's yeah, it's rough running lots of mm. things. But man, yesterday was extra hard. For Easter Sunday, trying to wrangle everything and make everything work. And apparently, I go into way too much detail when I talk about those type of things. So, we'll just leave it at that. Yesterday, <laughs> was hard and a lot of things didn't work. And some things did. But mm. I didn't say but. yesterday that all the lights cut out also, too. I forgot to mention mm. that that broke also. But that oh, yeah. true. Mm, it's 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 no joke that that actually does happen almost every easter that things that have never broken break yeah Uh, it's really it's it's a real deal so So, 
It's not superstition. It's a real thing. So it really. I, I was joking. I was joking. Our like our dishwasher just breaks every Saturday before Easter. Although that may be the dishwasher being possessed. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it's. <laughs> I think it's an evil Ooh. dishwasher. But, but yeah. For those of y'all who are not in church production land, it it really is a thing that stuff all breaks. I was trying to think of like we could have a tradition of. Nobody asks the pastor for anything the week before Easter. Just like offer help <laughs> all week long. But, that would be that would be a good tradition. But even that though, I mean, this week we went in multiple times, yeah. mm-hmm. tested everything, yeah. make sure everything worked. So I don't, I don't even know. Like I honestly was trying to think through like what is a real world explanation for you know the possibility of all those things just not working like. Could a mm. could a power surge make that happen? Could, and I I honestly cannot think of anything or any reason why this Sunday everything would just stop working. It, it doesn't make sense. Huh. It's Powers like there is more darkness. than just this there natural world. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> speaking of that, what Chris tell us. So this week, <laughs> so you were, I loved Dave, you, you introduced this on, on a little video we sent out and, um, and talked about it at the beginning of the sermon that we chose this topic a while ago, 40 days ago. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Even longer than we've been doing it for 40 yeah. days. So yeah, before shelter in place and we had talked through this and, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a kind of a topic we talk about a decent amount, but, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was just, I loved it. Uh, so the, the idea is there is more. And mm-hmm. can you just, can you just like re-explain in a nutshell what, what you were aiming at and yeah. what you're talking about? <laughs> so gosh, there's so much more I want to say about where we got the idea from, but is, I mentioned is there more? the book. Yeah. The, the book is probably the most helpful primer, although it is pretty hard to understand. So there's another book um, that I want to recommend. I may recommend it next week that I think was put out by the Gospel Coalition guys, and it was like 10 years of reading the secular age. So the guy, Charles Taylor, that wrote this 1,000-page book, he's a philosopher. He's a Catholic-believing philosopher that wrote this whole concept from a very highbrow perspective of the secular age that we live in he wrote a book 10 years ago and there's been several like you know cliff note versions written um but the idea is just that there's a shift that's taken place that's becoming more and more clear where we kind of went from the scientific age to that like infecting even our creative imagination it's like now trickled down to where it's just hard to believe even for believers you know, your first thought is, well, like we were just discussing, here's a perfect example. We believe in spiritual realities, but we feel disciplined to always go first to there was a storm or there was a natural explanation. Like, so that's just a a training we all have of you've got to go to natural explanations first. You can't run to spiritual realities. Even for those of us that believe in spiritual realities, it's like second, third order effect. Um, and so his whole point is that's that's not just a product of the last 300 years of the Enlightenment and the scientific age. It's even now just everywhere. You know, it's in our movies, it's in our stories, it's in the air we breathe. It's just this kind of 
impossible to get away from idea that this world is all there is and you've got to have scientific explanations for everything and there is no possibility of of enchantment or spirituality or meaning um which then what we see how then that like plays out is every human being just finds their own meaning because we can't live without meaning so human beings just make it up so that's a kind of radical pluralism of meaning making that we live in right now in our society. Um, so it's uh, resulting in not a pluralism like the first century, but in some ways similar. So in the first century, there were a million different you know religions. And part of why Christianity was offensive was it said there was just one way. Well, in the same way, Christianity is offensive today, but it's even at a deeper level where there's not just a thousand religions to choose from, but there's like 10 trillion religions because we all have our own. We just, it's all the religion of me. You know, it's radical individualism. Yeah. Um, and we don't call it religion, right? We just find meaning. We find meaning in our music. We find meaning in our shows. We find meaning in our way of doing life, our yoga, our exercise routine, our diet. And so we build our own little hyper-individualistic religions. So anyway, that's that's way too much. I'm just fascinated by the all the conceptual stuff he's he's pointing out. He's basically Taylor's kind of pointing out this is the weird age that we live in now. So and so not and and, and I think you hit this in the sermon well too. Mm-hmm. It's not only just we make our own meaning, mm-hmm. but we've been trained to reject things that we don't know or can't understand. So there's that mm-hmm. sense of we 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 have this perfect knowledge or we can get perfect knowledge of everything. There's no limit to what we can actually know and comprehend Mm. is what we've been trained in. And then also that we are invulnerable, that we have built a perfect shield for ourselves. And so that's, that's a lot of what these guys talk about, right? Is that in the past we, we were, our default was, I don't know everything. I can't understand things like the weather and, you know, animals and whatever it is. I'm, mm. I'm, so I don't understand and I'm vulnerable yeah. to these things I don't understand. And now we've had this drastic switch of we understand everything and we are safe from it all, at least mm-hmm. in the first world, right? In, in the West or mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. Um, and, and one thing I just wanted to put for people, maybe a new color too, as we talk this through is, um, you were talking a, a lot to we're trying to be understandable to non-believers and, and make a case for them t- for mm-hmm. for God and for Jesus, you know the mm-hmm. the work of Jesus. But mm-hmm. you know, you say so. Basically, a lot of these guys are saying that haunted word that we we use a lot when we're talking about that. And and uh, so unbelievers or, or people who don't believe in God, they're haunted by the idea of there is something out there. There is something I don't totally understand. There are there are these these feelings and experiences that we go through that the science doesn't perfectly account for and it can't break it down. It can't repeat it. It can't, mm-hmm. you can't grab onto it. So, so, so secular people are haunted by that. The, the idea there is spiritual reality. And the part that I wanted to add on for maybe even the people listening might key in more is, is that Christians have been trained to be haunted by this idea. Oh, maybe there isn't right. So there's this, thing in the back of our head what's that like a reverse haunting for believers yeah and so we i think that's one of the things that's fascinating to me too is like as believers knowing that's the water we swim in is we are deeply deeply trained that there is nothing else but this physical reality and 
So that is a thing we have to wrestle with. And that makes mm. us scared to scared to speak in spiritual terms even. So, mm-hmm. well, And part of it too is that like God created the physical reality and he made the physical mm-hmm. reality work in certain ways. And so mm-hmm. like part of worshiping him is appreciating that too. You know, so it's this yeah. weird balance we try and... I mean, we. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're always saying that. It's a middle ground. It's a balance. But it really is mm-hmm. between both of those, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Science is not bad, but it's not God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God created science. It's good. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It is good. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And I, I was kept, yeah, listening to Dave like, oh, is he going to go too far into the feeling like we're just totally anti-science or is he going to? And I, I thought you did a good job, but mm-hmm. that's always that scary like. Some people do want you to say, throw out science completely. And, yeah, yeah. And that's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. It's science plus. There's more than science. I mean, the Christian worldview invented modern science. <laughs> you know, just yeah. like we invented hospitals right. and orphanages, the Christian worldview invented modern science, the empirical method. We said, God's made an orderly world. Let's investigate it in an orderly fashion. Boom, scientific method. And then what? the Enlightenment project has done is said, oh, we don't need him anymore. We've got the scientific method now. Kick him out, you know. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the irony is the way Mark Sayers talks about it is we we want all the blessings of the kingdom, but without the king. Um, mm. and yeah, so, that's so good. Yeah. That's so, so great. So we were talking about this. There's more idea. Mm-hmm. And you chose First uh, Corinthians 15, right? I don't have the yeah. notes open. Yeah, First Corinthians yes. 15, because there's a particular problem that Corinth has where they're saying, we can somehow do Christianity without the resurrection. And he's like, no, no, you can't. Like, it doesn't, it all falls apart. Like, yeah. And so I think it is, it is the, the perfect, I mean, obviously it's also a, a uh, mm, it's, it's like a key resurrection Easter passage, you know, but. But it also particularly talks to this rub between science and naturalism on the one hand and the supernatural invading our natural world. It's really good. So so it all all hinges on the resurrection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh that's a I think that's a really good overview. Uh the only other intro thing that you did that you might want to talk about or not is the silver chair, right? The the illustration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move into the main points, did you want to? I don't. I don't know what else. Yeah. Is there a movie? The silver chair. A, did they do a movie of that one? I think there's like an old, old, old version, but not one of the new movies that have come out in the last fifteen years. Okay. Um. It's yeah. The whole idea of this these people being captured underground. And then it's a really fascinating interchange. It's basically a whole chapter. It's chapter 12 of the book. But they're, they're being debated with. So she's using very black and white logic when she's like trying to talk them out of believing in the world that they remember. And she's also uh, tampering with their senses by, you know, trying to hypnotize them with this drug, this, you know, powder she throws in the fire, whatever, this incense that is drugging them. And so it's a weird... It's a weird one-two punch illustration, too, if you go back and read the story of, like, she's actually using a lot of the kind of logic we hear from um, 
science is everything people or naturalism is all there is people. So she's using those same kind of arguments, which is really interesting. And she's like cheating and drugging them. <laughs> and I think that's the world we live in. Our world is not only making the case logically via the scientific, you know, science can explain everything arguments, but it's also addicting us to porn, addicting us to iPhones, addicting, you know, so we're being addicted and hypnotized and drugged at the same time that we're being told, oh, and there's nothing else, don't think about it, you know, so it's like both are happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking of uh, Brave New World and, and 1984, those, those oh, crazy Brave classics, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, go yeah. read those guys and you'll find <laughs> I've read I've read 1984 but I have not read yeah. Brave New World, which I heard is actually in some ways more interesting than 1984. Yeah, well not to go too deep into it, but the broad brush strokes are 1984 is uh is they're two opposites on basically. Uh 1984 is government's completely in control. They're giving you drugs to to suppress your emotions. So mm -hmm. it's like they're trying to create emotionless, thoughtless mm -hmm. uh reality. And then Brave New World is everyone is chasing after distraction and pleasure. It's still governmental control, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it's they have electronic golf because it was written, you know, it was written forever ago. <laughs> but they have these video games. Basically, mm -hmm. they're they're chasing pleasure. Um, they have no standards. So that's what's fascinating about Brave mm -hmm. New World is it is this like kind of drenched in information, drenched in mm -hmm. entertainment. And that's what shuts down everything, and that's what makes you yeah. forget what's important. Mm -hmm. um, but we see—I guess—we see a little bit of both. So that's yeah. fascinating. And then Fahrenheit 451, I think, has some of those same themes. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think Joey, this might be a great spot to answer some questions, and then we could do the points. What do you think? Sure. I mean, yeah, I, f I feel like if we go through the points, we might answer some questions inadvertently, which sure. which is sure probably not beneficial. I don't know. I was just yeah. I was just searching through. Um, I feel really bad on Facebook on the comments from from during the sermon. Somebody had a question on there, and they asked it multiple times during the sermon. We're not really answering the questions, but I meant to write it down and save it, and I can't find it now. But it was a question mm. along the lines somewhat when you were telling people like. Uh, Oh man, now I can't remember. I'll have to wait till we get to it. But it was something along the lines of like, uh, you told them like, to just act like you do believe and see what happens. Or oh yeah, yeah. There was this quote from the atheist that says, "I don't believe in God, but I miss him." And I said, "Yeah, do you miss him? And how would he speak to you if you allowed him to?" And so I was trying to kind of prod people who don't believe to consider um have i put limits on oh god's not allowed to talk to me so i'm not even going to consider that that he's there or he has anything to say um yes so yeah I, it was kind of I, I, it was kind of a reflective question and i saw yeah i saw one of the questions on the i think the question stream. was like like how does that even make sense or how does how does that work yeah. how can you miss something if mm -hmm. you don't even really believe and so maybe if you could help clarify mm -hmm. what what the original question is or statement is kind of saying and how you uh, interpreted it mm -hmm. or translated it, I guess. Yeah. So I think the maybe the clearest biblical way to explain it, to get away from all this artsy-fartsy philosophy stuff, 
is Romans 1 says that human beings all suppress their intuitive knowledge of God. So Romans 1 says that's what we do. Romans 1 says there's a pagan way of doing that. We suppress the knowledge of God by indulging in sin. And then Romans 2 says there's a religious way of doing that. We suppress the knowledge of God by pretending that we meet his righteous requirements when we don't really. So two ways of lying about the reality of God, our need for grace, and our need to come to him like a little child for forgiveness, grace, worship. So I think what I was trying to get at there, it's kind of like presuppositional apologetics, I guess. You know, So evidential apologetics says, here are reasons. Presuppositional apologetics is like, uh, you don't even want to believe in God. <laughs> you know, it kind of like jabs You, you at, decide at ahead of time, right? Yeah, you've already decided you don't want to believe in God. So why are we even having this conversation? So it's kind of a confusing way of, of dealing with people because it's trying to to like poke at their underlying assumptions. So yeah, I was just trying to get people to consider and um, to imagine. And uh, the person that asked the question also, she had a double confusion because she was like, aren't we listening to the sermon because we already believe? And I would say, no, you know, half of the people that listen to sermons don't believe or they struggle with belief. And so we're all, we're all at different places on the spectrum you know, very committed or brand new, or we just started believing, but we're still confused. In my own life, I believed the gospel, started following Jesus passionately, and then that's when I had my most serious doubts and questions. I was totally sure of the gospel and Jesus's saving of me, but everything else, I was like, well, what about this? And what about that? And can we really trust the Bible? And what are the reasons and how do I know that's true? You know, so that's when I had all my doubts. So that's when I really started, I started studying apologetics and studied it most fervently probably the first three or four years of my, my walking with Jesus. <laughs> well, we lost Dave. We lost you for a minute, Dave. Uh, and I, I had a follow-up and it, it made me lose it. But yeah. Um, well, I, I, had a, I had a comment on that, Dave. Hopefully, hopefully we'll still have the audio for the podcast. I don't know. But um. I think that's an important encouragement for believers also is um, that's why we need to keep being reminded of the gospel is because is because the, the world around us is shouting, this is not real, long and loud and hard and over and over and over. And so even if it's something we ascribe to belief or knowledge of in our heads, our hearts drift back to the default of there is nothing more than what. Mm you know, than what's right in front of our face and the thing, the voices that are screaming at us. So just on a side note, I would encourage all the Christians, don't, we should never get bored of the gospel for that very reason that we need to be stirred back up into to rejoicing in it and remembering that it's deeply true. And, and part of the reason that we're also, and we always do this in our sermons, right? We always try and address mm -hmm. the unbeliever. We always try and address the skeptic. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But we're especially doing that now because you're all at home and you're all mm -hmm. sharing over social media and people's streams are just getting flooded with um, with sermons. And there's more likelihood that somebody might click into a sermon than in the past when it wasn't getting shared as much or you weren't inviting people to watch streams as much. You know, somebody might not come with you to a church building, but they might click on your share of the stream because 
you know, it's a little thing they can do to show you that they care about you right now and they click on the thing or, or whatever the reason might be. But we're just so much more focused on that we're broadcasting worldwide. We do it all the time. You know, we're doing it every week, but we're trying mm-hmm. to focus so much more on that too. So, yeah, although you or most of the people watching the stream might not, it might not apply, it, it's worth it to us for the few people who are your friends maybe who watch because you're watching. I think that's part of it too. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And there's a way to even to be a Christian and and start to behave in a way that acts like God is not there or God does not oh, do yeah, anything. For sure. And it's all up to us. So, yeah. That's good. Good stuff. So I thought that was a good question and I'm glad that we remembered mm. the, the base of it. So... Thank you for that question. We appreciate it. Um, we, we appreciate you asking questions. Even if you are dropping them in the middle of the stream, I'll try and do a better job of capturing them. It was just a crazy Sunday for me to do that. But yeah, however you can get your questions to us about the sermons, we'd love to talk in more detail about the things that you're wondering. What do they always say? I used to always say it in youth groups, something like, you know, if you have the idea in your head, other people have it too. Like, please ask it. It's going to help other people. So if you have questions and thoughts about the sermon, please ask us. Another question that we have about the sermon is about increasing imagination. You talked about that mm-hmm. um, a little bit, and mm-hmm. you gave a couple examples, but you kind of gave really, uh, uh, I guess, man, sitting all day is not great for my back. You gave like um, the like top of the top, like Tolkien and... Uh, and Narn and uh, Lewis, right? Yes, Lewis. So mm-hmm. they're wondering, like, what are either some other books to help um, foster imagination or fantasy mm-hmm. part of your brain? Mm-hmm. And also, even before just the books, are there any practical steps or practical ways to increase imagination? Um, if I had an idea on that because uh, mm-hmm. one of the devotionals that Diane and I looked at last week had the idea that we sometimes read the Bible as a distant story of what Jesus is doing to other people and for other people, instead of seeing Jesus doing that very thing for us. And and other you put it a different way, see yourself in the scenes that are going on in the Bible. So when Jesus is healing somebody and he's uh, saying words of love and delight to them, He's saying that to us, too, when we are sick, for mm-hmm. example, or when he is uh, when he's talking to uh, Peter about his uh, his denial of Jesus on the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, we can put ourselves in that scene and see ourselves being addressed by Jesus when we have denied Jesus in something we've done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe not the same way Peter did, but very similarly, uh, we have either been silent when we shouldn't have been silent, or we just changed the conversation to protect ourselves from being rejected. And Jesus does the same thing for us. He's right there with us saying, you know, do you love me? <laughs> and and he's restoring us. So I think that's really helpful in, in sparking our imagination uh, mm-hmm. To see that Jesus is real and mm-hmm. with us, uh, we tend to be caught up 
And Chris and I had this little text conversation the other day where he was asking if one of his children was old enough to see the Passion of the Christ. Mm. And when it came out, I decided not to see it because mm. I felt like that would imprint my imagination with what Mel Gibson thought everything was like. Mm. Yeah. And that was what I would come to mind every time I thought of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just decided never to see it, and I haven't. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anybody else should do that, but I just thought, yeah, we, we, because we live in such a visual age, and I'm a visual guy, if I see the first few seconds of a picture in any movie or something, I can mm-hmm. tell you if I've seen it or not. And my mind just keeps those pictures. So I mm-hmm. just felt like, for me, that was the wrong thing to do. I need my imagination to work based on what I see and think about in Scripture, mm. not what somebody else has envisioned. I'm not saying I can never be positively influenced by that, mm-hmm. but I think it can be a real negative thing for us, too. Yeah, I mean, that's the same idea of, like, I always want to read a book before I go see a movie, because the movie mm-hmm. ruins the book for me if I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about it now, the other thing is true, too, like, I can't think of some of my favorite books without thinking of the movie that I saw later. And that, that is kind of a bummer. I don't think about that. I have another thought too, is dramatic readings. Like uh, I had in college, uh, I'm not dating myself that much, but in college I had a big CD binder, you know, that it was huge and it had the whole Bible read, you know, and, and with professionals reading it and it was dramatic and it was, I think it's kind of a step in between, so maybe it wouldn't help you imagine putting yourself in it very much, but it was just scripture. It was like probably mm-hmm. the NIV or something, but it was mm-hmm. it was just reading scripture. I think like Samuel L. Jackson was God's voice or something. Like it was like mm-hmm. big, but Vectors. but but it really mm-hmm. helped me to picture the stories and to mm-hmm. hear when I heard a voice, I knew instantly like. Oh, that's this character speaking, or that's this person. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, they had like background sounds. If they're walking through a village, you heard like chickens and rustling and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, that really helped with imagination of like, okay, now I can picture and imagine in my brain what, Mm -hmm. you know, it just made it a conversation. It made it, you know, I don't know if that makes sense or not. But yeah, I think that stuff, yeah, I think those are all really good. And I think. I would, I tend to think about like diversifying your investment. So like Jim says, you don't, if you know, you might be overly visually, like you latch onto a visual, then yeah, maybe it's better to listen to it. Um, but like when I, I listen to the Bible on audio all the time and I like to rotate um, voices and rotate versions and um, to try to hear it in new ways, you know, to hear it from a different voice, hear it in a different way, different translation. Um, I also think Christian stories are really helpful as well because it's, you're looking at your faith from a different angle. So, um, yeah, Tolkien, Lewis, Lewis is a little more direct. Tolkien's a little bit aslant. I think Indy Wilson writes really good fiction. His stuff is good. Um, what Lewis is so good at is human psychology like just understanding how people think and interact and how they trust god and don't trust god and how they excuse themselves and justify themselves i mean he just he's so good at that with his character development it's it's amazing 
I was gonna ask. So yeah, I have a thousand thoughts, but I think y'all y'all are doing a good job. Uh, but so how does this? Where did this tie into the sermon? And what was what's the goal? Mm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Is like because because there's methods, but yeah, mm-hmm. what's what's the purpose? Well, what's yeah, the, I mean, the purpose is connecting our heart to a God that we can't see, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think yeah, there were two specific places this came from in the sermon. One was my Yusuf story, you know, as illustration. Secondly, there was the idea that there was like the negative of our secular age has now invaded our imagination. So I think the question was then, so how do we fight that? How do we fight the war on the imagination front? Because I was saying now our stories and our songs are so drenched in atheism or naturalism, it's becoming hard for us to to imagine um a world of faith, the world of, you know, God being there for us. So I think that's really where the question was coming from. It wasn't like a specific point where I said, go out and imagine Christianly. I was kind of talking about it from the negative, like it's hard for us to imagine Christianly. Like that's the world we live in. It's the imagination, art and literature and music of our world is drenched in, in naturalism or uh, skepticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think my thoughts on it are um, it is a it is a battle. I think th- it's part of our humanness, right? Same same with emotions. You need right and good and guided emotions, and you cannot just let them loose to go wherever you want them to be. But mm-hmm. the c- complete lack of them <laughs> is bad news too, mm-hmm. or uh, thinking you have the <laughs> lack of them. But uh, imagination too. I- I've actually been listening to. There was a fascinating podcast with Andrew Peterson and Al Mohler. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of wrestling with this Christian imagination and have we been too suspicious of it? Have we been not mm. suspicious enough of it? Mm. And so I guess that's where my mind goes is um, is for sure it's something you just have to keep an eye on. And, and like y'all have already mentioned, wh- who are you? <laughs> what, what, what do you tend towards? Do you tend mm. towards over-imagination, under-imagination? Mm-hmm. Um, it all has to be guided, um, and so, so in my mind, one of the most helpful things, probably, to say is the bumpers mm-hmm. of um, that. There, there is. We've seen, we've seen. There's, there's large swaths of, of um, even Christian subculture where they are completely, they're, they're too okay with. I had a thought about God. Let me go as far as I can down that path without referencing scripture or letting that be the final word, mm-hmm. right? And so there's these you know, just imagining without limits. And then there's this other side of you can only use this one version of the Bible and you can, and it is, it, you know, we know everything about it and you cannot ever ask questions or wonder or um, that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. to me, the, the, yeah, uh, the third way is the best, but it has to be mm-hmm. submitted to scripture. Better to be overly committed to scripture than under for sure. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but that's where my mind goes is, maybe even yeah trying different version of the bibles but study it don't be lazy right like mm-hmm. try a different version and say huh that says that's in a different way than i'm used to mm-hmm. um is it true <laughs> right mm-hmm. is it the mm-hmm. best is it the best words i could use um yeah and so and so yeah I've, i think it's a skill that you can learn cuz i think mm-hmm. some sometimes once you've soaked in scripture long enough i can read completely secular things Mm-hmm. And find these g- glorious 
allegories that they may or may not have even intended. Mm -hmm. But when I take it back to scripture and say, wow, that's kind of beautiful. And is it true? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then scripture agrees, then it becomes I've, I've, my mind has been expanded in Mm -hmm. my view of the beauty of God. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. I think, uh, I think, um, you can attack it from two different directions. So there are, I think, uh, global thinkers and concrete thinkers. And so concrete thinkers, I'd say, you know, that's the, the side of basic Christian practices, you know, repeated prayers, memorizing scripture. Those are all good, beautiful. Yes, we need to do all those things. And then the global thinkers are going to attack it from like system and imagination and like, what's our worldview and recognizing we have a worldview in which we're taught A, B, and C. We need to analyze that biblically, you know, so there's kind of the analytical system side of it and then there's the practices like oh yeah the more you memorize scripture the more you're going to know scripture and (laughs) think more clearly the more you pray biblical prayers that'll help you you know so i think attacking it from both sides is really important that's yeah and one last thing for me is uh that's the beauty i think of small groups and Mm -hmm. and conversations with people who are not like you to not feel Mm -hmm. guilty if you're mostly concrete systematic thinker at all yeah but to talk to people who aren't that way and yeah. to, to wrestle with what they're saying and not just shut mm-hmm. it down immediately. Oh, no, you're crazy and you're not disciplined enough or whatever. Yeah. Say, so yeah, maybe I, mean, I could learn something. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Like my wife and I are, are very different and it's so cool to like, you know, be married almost 27 years and we kind of understand each other now. <laughs> but, you know, when we first were married, we're like, what? You know, it's harder, harder to understand each other. But yeah, now there's you really enjoy that seeing things from different sides. Hmm. Nice. That's all the questions I have. Did you guys get other questions that I don't know? Um, I did. I can't remember where I put them. Let me check my phone. I think I got some email questions, actually. You did? Okay. We'll, we'll wait patiently. And while you look, we still haven't okay. said what the three main points were this week. So mm-hmm. your three main points this week were that there is more than this secular age, mm-hmm. which is kind of where the first question came from. There yeah. is more than disease and death, and there is more than living for self, which mm. I think, well, I guess the, the second and third questions really are the overarching, kind of from your main, your main point, uh, your intro mm-hmm. and your conclusion almost, too. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I guess it's kind of more point yeah. three though, right? Fighting the wild beast section, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the way, we've been going for a long time, but I don't know how much actual content we've been going. So we're we're at like an hour and two minutes of streaming, and fifty four minutes of recording. So I don't know how much more we we want to get into detail into everything, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, did well, you I think find we more handled questions? the secular age point. So, yeah, I found the question. My question was really focused around number two, point two. So I think we covered point one, this secular age, a lot already in what we just discussed. That was number one was there's more than the secular age. I talked about specifically in that point, the gospel is a message from the outside. So the word gospel means good news, which is a announcement of a military victory or announcement of good news from the outside. And then the word preach also similarly is this word of like a herald or a news bringer. So both words imply 
you're in this remote city and you get news from the outside. And so I was trying to uh, contrast that with, with the secular age we live in, which says, nope, no possibility of God talking to us. Don't even imagine it. Don't even think about it. Um, so I think we hammered that pretty good. The second point was there is more than disease and death. And I was talking about how the coronavirus has really amplified our um, intuitive worry that we're trying to not think about that the world is full of disease and death. You know, so it, it was kind of a wake up call. I use the Julian Barnes illustration of like being shocked awake in a hotel room and, you know, how scary and weird that is when you don't know where you are and you got woken out of nowhere. And um, but just the reality of death does that to modern people um, because the secular age enables us to avoid worrying about any meaning and kind of romanticize that we're mature, grown-up people that don't care about meaning. Like, that's kind of the value of this age. But deep down, intuitively, we know we need meaning. <laughs> we need it, and facing death shocks that out of us. Like, whoa, wait, something's wrong. Um, and so the specific question I got by, by email was, uh, well, how is it possible even for a Christian to not worry about death? You know, so I was saying you should – we should not be obsessed worrying about death, that Christians uniquely have faith and kind of a, a reckless abandon of being willing to take risks and serve other people, even though we know we're dying, you know. Um, so y'all want to tackle that one? Y'all want to answer that question? What if a Christian still worries about death? Does that mean they're I, not a Christian? Is it okay to worry about it at all? I've had conversations a lot about that. I want to hear what Jim was going to say. But yeah, me too. I, I would just say, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Now, I can't say that I worry about it. I mean, I and I think Joey can probably identify with this. You're in a career field where death is quite possible. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there are days when you are going to do stuff and you get to ask yourself the question, hmm, I might die today. Hmm. You know, is it is it a good day to die? Hmm. <laughs> right. And and at some point, uh, uh, I don't know why. I don't know how, but somewhere hmm. God uh, put into my being the idea that, hey, any day is OK, because this is not the end. Hmm. And, and yes, it would be horrible for other people, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, if that happened, because it would bring grief to them. Uh, but but it's a transition uh, that we all are going to experience. And so, therefore, it's not uncommon. And God has dealt with it in our lives in a way that is perfect and loving. Uh, so it just made it so much easier. Even he w Diane asked me the question yesterday. We were in the car coming from someplace. And she says, is it wrong to have such peace with what's going on and mm -hmm. to know that even if I got sick with this stuff, it'd be okay, you know, mm -hmm. it was, and, and I think, no, absolutely not. That's peace from God. He says he will give us peace the world can't give. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% I agree, but I would also say, and I, and I feel the same way, like, um, yes, I've gone through a period of time where just got okay with it, and now it's like, whatever, but I would, I would go back to you, like, let's look, look at scripture, let's look at even Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Go back to the cross. Like, 
the night mm-hmm. before he knows he's gonna and i mean it's not so much about death so this is a little bit of bad uh exegesis i guess it's more about taking on the mm-hmm. sins of the world being separate from the father but i mean he he is distraught and anguished mm-hmm. and and he's gonna mm-hmm. die and lena's here say hi lena um <laughs> lena's my dog um but you know so looking back to the cross and look at the night before you know christ died like he mm-hmm. i don't fear wouldn't be the right word but you know mm-hmm. like so there's there is more to it than just for sure you'll have a peace right like i don't know yeah yeah no i see i think the struggle i think that's a good example joey you, you point out christ what had a peace in submitting to the father's will but he also begged that if there was any other way to take it and so I think that's a fair balance. I also think, so I think there's a balance in our life of God, of course, I'm afraid to die, yet I trust you, you know, that kind of push pull in our prayer life. But then there's also maturity and immaturity. So I think it's, it's normal. And this is the the person that emailed me, I know as a young believer, so really fresh in their faith. So I would say, it's okay to be a baby believer, (laughs) you know, it's okay to be a baby and be more afraid. And as we mature, I think we get less afraid, although I don't think it ever totally goes away. You know, I think um, it's reasonable to have some fear, to have some worry, and to give that to God. You know, First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Is that First Peter 5, 7? It's pretty close. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, that's a that's a really fascinating question. I've I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I, I feel like too, along with what you were saying, sort of, sort of, Dave. I I feel like there can be simultaneous um, a little bit of anxiety and trust happening at the same time. I think I think mm-hmm. that's the to me. I was just encountering that even with this pandemic stuff. Is just like I've, I've wrestled often with what is the peace that pa- surpasses understanding. Um, and, and often I think that where, where I've personally experienced it is, um, man, I should be freaking out more than I am, but there's this mm-hmm. undercurrent, uh, there's this anchor, right? Like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I do feel like that's, that's a blessing from God and that's, that's a, like a gift, mm-hmm. um, of not being like, like the Bible says, be, not being tossed to and fro by the wind or, mm-hmm. you know, like there's this just like steadiness that, that he begins to build in us and that's so that's so gorgeous i also think um fear yeah fear is fear of death is is i don't know that that's the fear side of it is ever a super positive thing i think it's something you you do bring to god and say man this is just a big thing um it's also okay to be human like you've been saying but I, what i was thinking of is i immediately went to uh, like jonathan edwards he had those the, his resolutions Mm-hmm. And I heard a sermon on this once that's really just stuck with me. Uh, I think it's Resolution 9. I was Googling it. Yeah. It says, Resolved to think much on all occasions of my own dying and of the mm-hmm. common circumstances which attend death. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of like, whoa, modern people say that's super morbid and terrible. But, but I think what that brings to light is what he's saying is there's a positive, there's a motivating mm-hmm. way of thinking about death. And there's mm-hmm. a debilitating way of thinking about death, and so if mm-hmm. we're get, if we're stuck in the debil- debilitating, like this just wants me to quit life or never go outside or never whatever drive a car or take any risks, talk to anyone, you know that's not good. <laughs> Wait, we need to pray and ask God for God's help. There's this other side of saying, 
oh, like, and maybe there's a there's a journey we can all be on of moving from the debil- debilitating side to the the sort of helpful, motivating side, which is I can't build my kingdom based on my, I'm not here to build my own kingdom for one thing. And then I'm not, so, you know, my kingdom's not going to last. The things I make are not going to last. I'm not going to last. So I need to be pouring into people who carry what is important longer than me because my, you know, my, even my ministry for God is going to one day be gone if it's all built upon my own personality and strength. Um, and so my, my legacy will, will be gone at some point. And so mm. that really pushes you to do things in a different way to say, okay, I can't make my whole life about me. Mm. I, I can't make it all about what I look like and what people think about me. And, mm. um, and, and like Jim said, that you're, you're able to risk because it's like, this is not all there is. I'm, I'm thinking about, yeah, death is coming. Okay. I get, better get used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or it's going to surprise me and I haven't, I haven't lived my life with that urgency in mind either. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, that resolution from Edwards echoes Ecclesiastes. You know, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. And uh, we did a series on Ecclesiastes two years ago, and I did a sermon on chapter seven and eight together that talked about that. It was called "Haunted by Life," um, and I interviewed a couple of friends that had uh, one that has stage four cancer and one that has a uh, kind of debilitating nerve disorder and just ask them like, Hey, tell me what are the lessons you've learned from wrestling with sickness and, and possible death? And you know, how has that matured you? And that was, that was really helpful for me. Oh, the puffball just fell off my microphone. <laughs> um, that was really helpful for me. Oh, just learning from them. I, I would just recommend that as a, as a habit, like people learning from people that are wrestling with sickness, disease, that have faith. And, you know, what does that look like? What is, how's that wrestling match maturing them? Well, good, and the good. antithesis that you pointed out in the sermon, Dave, mm-hmm. about our, our culture being obsessed with maintaining life, mm-hmm. maintaining our comfort, mm-hmm. uh, that's where we tend to go when we feel like we're in control mm-hmm. and that we can override a lot of the things that we can't override. Yeah. It's really good. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a lot of really good and stuff. I think uh, we do better podcasts when you guys submit questions. Please do that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, truth. Truth. The last point was living for self. There's more than living for self. That was when I talked about fighting wild beasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a confusing section. Paul uses a lot of metaphorical language, a lot of, uh, I mean, it's like this cosmic scope of Adam's failure and Jesus's victory and kind of where everything's heading in eschatology, kind of the triumph of humanity in Christ. Um but I thought what was really most applicable was his whole idea of like, what, why would I risk die daily in a metaphorical sense, fight wild beasts daily in a metaphorical sense? Why would I do that if the resurrection wasn't true? And so turning that around as believers in the resurrection, it motivates us to, you know, fight the beasts of our own selfishness, basically to, to live for others and not just live for self. Mm-hmm. 
Hope I think you summarized it. Uh, Preach. Preach. Yeah, no, I'm like, <laughs> do I have anything to say on that? Oh. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> you did You did say something. I, I wonder if it's, well, it's, I think you said something that was a, that was a, christ-given thing you you know talking about puddle glum and stomping out mm-hmm. the, the witch's fire and saving all the people mm-hmm. and there i think there's this god-given thing in all of us that he is either nurtured or stamped out of mm. you said i want to be that hero you know i mm. want to be the person that lays down his life for other people mm-hmm. and um and i just think the more the more we do think that this life is all there is the more we're actually going to st- stamp out that (laughs) that feeling like i don't want to lay down my life all my life is all i have right Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. so that was that was a thing you breezed through like i do think people have that innate Mm -hmm. desire built into them Mm -hmm. um but again i think they either push it out or it grows because they learn that this Mm -hmm. is not all there is so Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and i think i think on the one hand we want to motivate that in people, you know, like call people to that by the cross. So I was trying to simultaneously affirm that, like, that's good and right. The power actually comes from Jesus. And I think our audience, you know, so a lot of what I was talking, a lot of who I was talking to were skeptics and unbelievers, primarily because it was Easter thinking maybe more, more people might be tuning in out of curiosity. But at that point, I think I was trying to talk more to our, our primary audience who are sacrificing noble people that have chosen their professions, which is 90% army and teaching. You know, <laughs> most of our people are either teachers or soldiers. And those two um, callings are very calling oriented, right? Those two things are primarily people that are seeking to serve, you know, they're seeking to burn up their life for the sake of others. Um, and to be that kind of hero. So I just wanted to say, yes, good, right. But it comes from Jesus being the ultimate hero. Love it. Love it. Jinx. The timing was off because of latency. There's no jinx. Latency. We'll see in the edit when we get the uh, the two audio good audio sources together if it actually was a jinx. Who, who won the race? I bet you did. Darn it. <laughs> Jesus, the ultimate hero. Sorry, writing down possible mm. sermon title or uh, podcast titles. Other thoughts, questions. End of episode. Mm. I think. I think uh, one thing I wanted to say, as we're talking about all this, there's this, there's this sense of there's a dangerous thing we do where when we're good at some of the stuff we're talking about, we we could start feeling good about ourselves and looking down mm. on other people, and. Mm then as Christians in general, we could scoff a little bit at, at people who don't have hope. And I just wanted to call us to compassion. Um, my wife's been studying, our, our neighbors are, are Mormons and she's studying that. And, and one of the books she's reading is just really did a great job of, of talking that through saying, don't, don't just laugh at what they think. Um, mm. You you study to understand and to have compassion and mm. and to have real conversations and so I think I just wanted to call all of us to that you know we talk about fear of death and and some people may not fear it at all and that's beautiful what's mm-hmm. not beautiful is saying 
just get over it, right? Like to everybody yeah. else. And yeah. um, for, so for all of these things, um, there's a danger of, of falling back in upon our, ourself. Um, instead of, like you said, remembering Jesus is the only one who does it perfectly. He's the one who mm-hmm. gives the gift of any strength. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we should just long for others to have that and not, not just, you know, brush them off or say grow up or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So, hmm. Yeah, good word. Y'all have time for Can't Let It Go, or do you got to go? It's pretty fast. What's top of mind? All right. For Can't Let It Go today, you have to say the first thing that pops in your head. That's totally going to work. Can't Let It Go is a segment where we talk about things that have been on our minds or things that we've come across that we thought were really cool or Mm. something to that effect. Ready, Mm. set, Jim. He was already going to talk. Nice. (gasps) Nice. Sweet. Mm. It's a good one. Hey, I got to throw out, here's one of the subtexts of the silver chair. Aslan, the Christ figure, says, remember the signs. He gives them signs to remember. It's a great little theme that shows up throughout the story. Mm. All right. Mine is an instrument. It's called a theremin. Mm -hmm. It is... Mm. Star Trek. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Mm. Maybe you could help me, Chris. Mm. It's an electronic what? instrument that works based off of your proximity to metal poles. So Whoa. it's like, I know, there's like one metal pole right here and one right here. And it almost feels cello-esque. So one, mm. one hand controls volume and one hand controls tone or pitch. And so mm. you could be like, it's really cool. Look it up. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link to a cool video. Huh. Okay, did did you guys see the original Star Trek? Because that's no lie, it is on that. You know the. Uh, that's what that is. I didn't know that. Yep, that's theremin. What? That's it. Yeah, it's huh. crazy. And there's some people that are fantastic at it, and it sounds violin like most people are not, and it sounds very not good. Well, I'm sending but, you a link of a dude that's very good. Whoa. Yeah, I someone gave me a cello on Sunday, so it was one of what? the most magical. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible at it. We're gonna start as doing, can be expected. Doing Skype lessons with Jeb. Uh, Jeb yeah. teaches. Yeah, right. Right. I gotta uh, figure something out. Yeah, huh. cello lesson. Um, mm. My my can't let it go is uh, food and no gym. <laughs> Mm. I can't go to the gym anymore. And and the food is like the easiest to get food is not the healthy. It's not, it, you know, all the fresh mm. stuff goes bad fast. So you have to go to the store a ton. And then now we've mm. got all this Easter candy laying around. So I was eating it mm. during the podcast. But I'm, I'm yeah, I was wondering scared, what you were guys. eating. I saw you eating. It was good. Can't okay. It, go. ready? it was the Robin's eggs, the classic. Ooh, classic. And, and these wonderful. I don't know, gourmet jelly beans. So they even oh. say gourmet on the back. Do they? Oh, they do. They're fantastic. But um, not to tempt all you listeners, but stay in there. Try to eat mm. more carrots or something. I don't know. Carrots. 
we're all gonna although all of the gym rats are gonna come down to my level now so i'm excited about that mm, that's not true all they will find a way bot. yes true it's true fair enough oh yeah well that's a good segue to my can't let it go which is new growth in the springtime We've been doing a lot of just, you know, we're working, we're working, and my wife and I will get to, like, lunchtime, and we're like, oh, we've got time for a 10-minute walk around the block. You want to go for a walk around the block? Sure. So that's that's been one of the most awesome things about sheltering at home is just, like, multiple times per day doing a little short walk around the block or a longer one. You, you all and, heard Dave just say that he has time in his day, right? Yep. Okay, just yep. checking. <laughs> yeah. And so the... Gorgeous colors of new growth are just amazing in the springtime. And I feel like I notice this every spring, but this this spring we're trapped at home. So I'm like looking at the leaves more and I try to work outside as much as I can every day that it's possible. I try to be outside because I'm, I'm solar powered and there's like every leaf and every tree has its own green and it just blows my mind. I feel like by the end of the growth season, you know, August, things start to die from the heat. Then the fall, you have, you know, normal fall leaves falling off the trees. And it's just kind of dreary. But the spring, it's like a unique green. It's like mm-hmm. it's like your brain can't handle how many different shades of green exist. And it's just, it's just amazing. I love it. And it's even better, Dave, when you wear your glasses and you can see everything. Whoa, yes. <laughs> but here's the problem. When I wear my glasses... I have a hard time walking. So it's like a, yeah, you got to choose one or the other. So yeah, but yeah, it's gorgeous. Just for the record, so everybody knows, because Joey always thinks I'm naughty for not wearing my glasses. I have one eye that sees perfectly at a distance. My other eye has trouble seeing at a distance. So there's... What about close up? You got, you got any of that? Reading, I need reading glasses. Okay. If I'm tired, but if I'm actually feeling energetic, I don't really need the reading glasses. So that's why I I have a hard time reading or wearing my glasses all the time because I can function 60%, 70% without them. I just ordered an eye patch for you on Amazon. So oh. that'll be that'll be here in May, I think. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be May. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I want to say to close us out that uh, we always say we want your questions. We also want your prayer requests. Send them to mm-hmm. prayer at begrace.org or office at begrace.org or uh, chris at begrace.org. Just kidding. Um, I don't know. Send them in. We want them. Uh, we want to pray for you. We want to know what's going on in your life. We also want to hear your questions about the sermons for the podcast. Uh, in relation to prayer, a reminder to all you guys out there that signed up for our 24 hours of prayer. Today's the day um, for us this month. So if you're on that, if you're not on that, email, um, I don't know, Loris is. I, think I was going to say Nav Loris. It's, it's prayer at begrace.org. We'll get to him. Okay. So just email office at begrace.org and we'll get you connected uh, to be part of our monthly second Monday 24-hour prayer um, for, I guess, our community, our nation. There's a list. Loris actually sent out a beginner's guide to praying for this week. He sent out... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's my pay stub. He didn't send that. And he sent out... A, <laughs> I guess I had a stack of things on my desk that I didn't know were there. 
uh, a United States prayer map. That's pretty helpful. So he mailed those out to everyone who has already been on the list um, for praying 24-hour prayer day each month. Um, that is today. If you're part of that team, don't forget. If you want to be part of that team, email office at bgrace.org. Anybody have anything else? No, sir. Oh, I just want to publicly thank Chris and Joey for solving our tech explosion yesterday. They had spent like an extra day testing everything. It all worked great. And then Sunday it all broke. And I want to thank you for everything you did. We talked earlier about how everything falls apart, but I didn't thank you for all the efforts you put into fixing it and making it work. So thank you.